Did you know that only about 2% of women consider themselves beautiful? I'm on a mission to smash that statistic because it is 100% unacceptable. Hi there, I'm Stephanie Snow, founder of The Beauty Revolution, a mind-body eating coach, an ordinary woman with an imperfect body, and your host for Flip the Beauty Script podcast. But enough about me, this is for you. Hey friend, welcome back to flip the beauty script podcast. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. I met her about a year ago when I was on her podcast, growing women of faith. She is one of the most kind, amazing, beautiful women that I have ever met. Not face-to-face yet. Hopefully one of these days I'll get to do that. Yes. Uh, I am so grateful to have her on my show today. Her name is Rochelle Morlock, and she is the president and co-founder of Bloom International. I want to tell you just a little bit more about her before we get going. Rochelle lives in Kansas City, Missouri with her husband and two children. She has dedicated her life to sharing the gospel of Jesus all around the world. She has spent the last 18 years sharing the gospel in several different ways. Through being a young life leader and working on summer staff with youth, leader for Campus Crusades for Christ throughout college, she ran children's programs at local churches and overseas. She helped start and lead several women's ministries throughout what's Kansas KC? City. Oh, Kansas Sorry, City. I'm Kansas like, City. I don't know Kansas City. I don't live in Kansas Throughout Kansas City. <laughs> served as a missionary throughout West Africa, has been working and living in Thailand for the last nine years, overseeing educational homes, running hygiene clinics in schools, and overseeing women's outreaches deep in the jungles of Northern Ireland, Ireland, Thailand. It is totally fine. That sounds fun. (laughs) Deep in the jungles of Northern Thailand. If she is not doing missions, you can find her in the great outdoors with her family, doing everything from hiking to kayaking that makes me tired. Just talking about all that stuff. She's done so, so many things. (laughs) I love this piece that I'm going to read to you now about her, because I feel like she and I kind of parallel have parallel missions, but we do it in a little bit different ways, but her mission and desire is to see a world where every girl and woman knows they have self-worth and dignity to love themselves for who God made them to be. She has a heart to walk alongside women as they learn to become the woman who God has called them to be. She travels to churches to preach, is a motivational speaker, and oversees all of the administration and funding for Bloom International Worldwide. Do you ever sleep, Rochelle? That's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, sometimes I probably should sleep more. I, I get about five hours and then oh, man. And then at that point, well, normally at like midnight, I have this idea. So I always have a journal by my bed and I write it down because if I don't, I'll stay awake all night trying to remember it. I do the same thing. I do the same (laughs) thing. So I, anyway, I hope you're just as excited to hear from Rochelle as I am today. What I have learned about her since I met her and all the amazing things she's doing. I just am in awe of her and I kind of, I kind of think I'm idolizing her. I don't know. She's done some amazing, amazing things. So I cannot wait to hear more about it today. Welcome, Rochelle. Well, thank you. I was telling Stephanie before we started, it's weird to be on the other side because I'm used to being the host on my podcast 
So even though I've spoken many, many, many times, I still get nervous in situations like this. So yeah. <laughs> Me too. We'll all just be nervous together. People might be nervous <laughs> about what we're going to say. So we're, we can just all there be nervous. <laughs> we can make people uncomfortable. I do that. That's right. <laughs> Me too, without it intending to, but... <laughs> So I want to start today with my favorite two questions. I ask everybody that comes on my podcast. And so what beauty have you seen in the world today? And also what beauty have you seen in yourself today? I think in this world, in the world as a whole, it would be from a, I'm going to go from a landscape first. Okay. Um, have traveled the world. I've lived in some of the poorest countries in the world. And what I've discovered is some of the most poorest countries in the world are the most beautiful countries in the world. Mm. And it just amazes me just standing, you know, wherever it may be in the jungles of Thailand or in the desert and just the lush around it. And yet you can see like those dirty old buildings and you're like in their marble or whatever. And you're like, man, 50 years ago, this was stunning. But how, how easy is it for us to put a cloud or, you know, a cloth over us and only see that crumb or that dirt that we've covered up in mass mm -hmm. for all those years when deep down, there's so much beauty within ourself that we've neglected, um, for whatever reason, maybe we're afraid to even see that true beauty inside us because of some deep scar or pain. So, yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Did the you things I think specific in yourself today that you thought was beautiful? Well, I do what I do with my daughter um, and myself. I'll say this every single morning before I um, have her get out of the car, we pray. And after we're done praying, I say, Lainey, you are beautifully and wonderfully. And she says, made. And how easy is it to not say that? It is so easy. And every single day, even if I try not to, like, I try to find something that I love about myself every single day, um, because it's so easy to go a day without seeing it. And then before you know it, it's going to be years. And so every day I'm like, I like my eyebrows today, or I love my hair today, or this outfit is amazing. And it's not bad to give yourself a compliment. That does not mean that you are like almighty and stuck up ladies. I'm saying this to every single woman listening to this, you are beautiful and recognize it. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Own it. <laughs> I, I love that, that scripture that you referenced. We're beautifully, wonderfully made made by Proverbs a creator who 31. loves us. Yes. And, and it is so easy to just look for the, like you said, the crumb or the flaws or the scars or whatever on our own physical bodies and our own beautiful natures that we, that we tend to just brush those aside and think more of the negative because our mind it's been proven. Our minds go to the negativity 
more easily and more often. So it's something we have to try to do, which is what we're all about. Right. Yes. And I tell people too, like, I, I literally tell myself every single day, every single hour, sometimes every single minute you are good enough. You aren't, you aren't trash. Like we have those days or you're not worthy enough. And when I start having those feelings, like I'm like, okay, God, I need you right now. Or I go and find like the silliest motivational video on YouTube to switch, (laughs) to switch my script inside my head. Love it. So, yeah. And it's a constant battle, not battle. It's a constant practice, right? Yeah. It's a practice that we have to keep doing. Awesome. Okay. Now for the good stuff. I mean, that was good stuff, but I would love for you to tell us your story about how you got into the mission work and your passion behind it, especially your passion for helping women. So I always, it's funny because I'm always like, how do I begin this? And the easiest way to say, this is where it began is my God dream. And my God dream happened when I was 14. And I know this sounds so crazy guys, but at the age of 14, I was staying at my grandma's house, woke up and I went out into her living room, which she was watching, you know, TV on the big box on her hot pink couch, because we're in the early nineties. And that's <laughs> like what I think I'm like, I remember that, but yeah, she was watching TV and I sat down and I said, Nana, I just had the craziest dream. And she's like, tell me. And I told her, you know, I was sitting in the dirt on a mat and I was reading a book to children, but it wasn't the Bible. They were speaking another language. They were not white. They were of color of some kind. I didn't know. I just knew that there was just an essence, an aura. It was warm. There were some funky smells too, which you'll understand why in a second, when I share that part, it just a different feel, everything, my whole entire senses were just, I morphed in this dream, in my God dream. And my grandma just went after I told her that she's like, well, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know. Well, you see at the age of 26, I, after going to college to become a teacher, which I did, you know, the good old daughter thing. And I got my degree in education and, you know, did the, let's stay in one place. Let's have a salary and do life. And I basically said enough of this and I sold everything almost and moved myself to Africa. I had never left America. And I took a job with International Mission Board, and they moved me to one of the poorest places in the world and also one of the darkest places in the world, meaning very little faith. And there I was, I went into one of the darkest villages in the world, and I became that life for Christ, that light for Christ. And I have a picture. I'll have to share it with you. When I got home after my time there, I lived there for six months and I was looking through my pictures and there's a picture of me sitting on a mat, reading a book, 
with these children and with women standing over me. And my God dream came to life. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. That, <laughs> that's not- that's amazing. Did you, and did yeah. you recognize it immediately as like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what I saw. I did. And I cried. And it's funny too, because, and I share about this. I'm actually writing a book right now. Awesome. <laughs> but so, but in my book in chapter one, that's actually how I start. But I mean, but just as I'm processing this, I, I never knew. So you never know who's going to be a part of your God dream guys. And what I mean by that is at the age of 14, I had not met my stepdad. He's my dad. Now, I mean, I love my real father, but my stepdad is my dad. I, I didn't meet him until I was 17 guys. Wow. You never know who's going to be a part of your God dream. And the reason why I say that is at the age of 26, the one person that I thought was against me became the person that was for me. Because right before I boarded the airplane from Kansas City, my stepdad came running up to me and handed me a book. It was the book in the picture. It was the book that I was reading children in my God dream. Wow. I love that story. That's so amazing. So I want to backtrack just a minute because how did you get from, I'm going to sell everything and just go to Africa. Like, were you by yourself? What helped you make that decision? Um, actually I didn't tell anyone except for my aunt. And I flew to Oklahoma to fill out my application because God bless my mom, mom. If you're listening to this episode, you know, forgive me, but (laughs) my mom was not for my dream. And I knew that I had to get away from the environment that was telling me that I could not do what God was calling me to do. And I went to stay with my aunt for five days who had been supporting me during that time. And I didn't tell my mom until I got the plane tickets. And I actually said, Hey mom, I will be moving to Senegal, West Africa. I would love for you to see me off at the airport. Yeah. So then I did that process, got accepted And I knew no one except for before I moved, I had the opportunity to meet my partner that was stationed in this village with me. And we got to know each other a little, but before that, I didn't know anyone. And I mean, you know, you go into a situation where you can say, you know, someone, we met each other via phone. And it was good, but yeah, we went into this village and we were the only people of light for 40 miles. Our supervisor lived 40 miles from us and there was nothing in between our desert village and them except for camels and the true desert. That was it. (laughs) Wow. When we were there. (laughs) What kind of, uh, fears might you have had getting into going into that? I always like to think, so this is my verse that I would say. I don't think I necessarily lived by it, but now when I reference it or hear it, I'm like, whoa, this is so true. And it's something I repeat often, which is Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy Spirit is understanding. You know, it's kind of one of those things like the fear, like 
it's okay to have fear in certain situations that God puts you in, but within that, he's going to give you the wisdom and the opportunity for growth. And I think I've had so much fear over the nine, 10 years that I've done ministry. And when I was in Africa and I experienced fear, I've experienced fear in just in the last 10 years, so differently in each culture I've been in. But there were certain situations when I was first beginning missions like overseas and the way that I carry it now in the village in Africa and Senegal, where I had, I jokingly said, uh, to do church, I sat in a little corner of my little concrete house where 26 people lived because I lived with the chief and I lived in this tiny room and I would go hide in the corner where I also sat on the bucket where I did my business and the congregation were the geckos and the lizards that were surrounding me. And there were some days where I was just bawling because I had no idea why God put me there and I was mad at him. But then in the same instance, like I was praising him and like, okay, God, I understand why you're, you have me here, but gosh, darn it. It is so hard. It is absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done. And then, you know, moving into how did I get from the mission field where I was in Africa to where God took me in Thailand to start working with what I do now? When I went on the, and I don't know what you know about my journey in Thailand, but before God called me, my husband and I, we had at this point been married for two years before we took the full call to move ourselves over to Thailand. And we tried to get pregnant for two years and I have polycystic ovarian disease. I've had at that point, I'd had four surgeries to have cysts removed Mm. And, um, they actually told my husband and I, it would just probably be better if you had a hysterectomy, ma'am. Oh, wow. And we were like, no, that's okay. And when we took the call and we literally surrendered our life and we said, God, we will do as you say. And we said, we'll move to Thailand. We found out two, three months later, we were pregnant. Oh boy. (laughs) more adventure. Yeah. And I actually got mad at God and I hated him because I was like, how can you let me get pregnant now? Right. 13 weeks pregnant. And we both moved over with two bags each, no car, no home, no language. Wow. (laughs) Enough money for a month and a half. And we knew four people, three or like three, technically two people good in the country. And then like three, four that like we had met via Zoom or Skype at the time. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, well, this is going to be fun. And (laughs) but I just remember thinking at first, like, I hate you. I hate you. How could you do this? And I was so fearful, like, you know, what's to come? Like, what is this going to look like? I'm going to have a baby. Like, to be honest, I'm most people, when I say I had my first kid in Thailand, they're like, did you have a kid in a hut? (laughs) No, she was actually born in the world's second hospital system, guys. 
Like well, you might've been wondering that yourself, right? What is this going to look like? Where is this oh. baby going to be born? Or <laughs> I was actually terrified, but yeah, she was actually born in one of the world's best hospital systems. And then I had my second kid here let down. <laughs> Sorry, oh, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. I know, but yeah. So I'm still just in awe of this story. I want to talk to you for like 10 hours and get all the nitty gritty details, but we don't have We're that time today. Short. We don't have that time today, but I want yeah. to know. So specifically working with women, what has been guiding you, I guess, what, what got you to your passion of specifically helping the women that you have been helping and in Thailand, what got you to that specific place? Okay. So when we first moved to Thailand, guys, we actually moved there with the mission to run children's homes. So my husband and I went with a nonprofit called Hope Bridges, which now he's the CEO of. Oh, so you're Um, running two international. Not me. That's his gig. (laughs) I got to draw a line somewhere, but they're still my babies. They're still my family. So I, Mm -hmm. I still do stuff, but so we moved there with them. And for those that don't know, Thailand has it set up where not every village has a school because each, in order to have a government school built or a Buddhist government school built, you have to have a total of at least 150 kids attend every year, or they won't come in and build it. So we had a hostel, if you want to say, in three different villages that had schools. And those hostels would house children from other villages so that they could come Sunday night and they would stay in our hostel until Friday evening. And then they would go back to their mommies and daddies on the weekend. Mm. And I'll just tell you watching some of our kids and like taking them out of the trucks when they would come Sunday night because we weren't there all the time, but I get to see some of them and our youngest, when we would first get them were four. And as a mama that has a three and a six-year-old, I cannot imagine putting my baby in the back of a truck with 15 to 20 kids standing in the back of the truck so they can all fit. It's like a bus. So we hired men from the villages to bring, bust the kids in essentially. And then they, the kids would stay like, that's how they come to our homes. But like these babies, like, it's just so crazy. But just to think what these moms and dads had to do, like separate with their kids so their kids could get an education. So yeah, from, we worked with preschoolers up until sixth grade in this in those villages. And then they would go into other villages that had seventh and eighth grade. The government pays for kids to be in school from kindergarten to sixth grade. And then after that, it's kind of on their family's own if they have money or if they can find sponsors or something. So unfortunately, what happens a lot if we can't help intersect that is kids either go into the field with their parents and work, which isn't bad guys. I just want you to know this. It's their livelihood. And some, they don't have a choice. They have to drop out of school or the worst is they get sold. And that's what we try to prevent. Yeah. So that's how, that is how I ended up in Thailand. But during that time, after I had my baby, she was like six months old. 
I really started to have a longing to work with women again, because that was my passion here in America. I help lead up women stuff. And I was like, man, I just miss it. And I met a young lady. I say she's young. She's 48. That's um, young. That's young. No, she, <laughs> she's like, I'm not young. She'll always say, so I'm older not- than that. That's young. <laughs> there you go. So Sherry Konzak, she is the co-founder of Bloom International with me, but we went deep into the jungles of Northern Thailand. She was like, Hey girl, I love working with women, but I need to find someone that has the heart too and the capacity. So we went out into the deepest parts of the jungle with a national that said, Hey, I've got 44 women that I want to teach them more about God, but I need someone to come in too and help me. So Sherry and I trucked ourselves out into the deepest parts of the jungle. And I, at that time had my baby strapped to my back and we started preaching to these women And what began in Thailand, September, 2016, took us to Southeast. We went expanded into Southeast Asia because of the security reasons for these other two countries that we're a part of, since this is a podcast episode that gets shared. um, I can't release the actual names, but it is bordering countries of Thailand. And if you want to ask, I can, we can share with you outside of the podcast episode. Okay. And we launched here in America. We are working with over 4,000 women to date now, which is That's just so amazing. It just blows my mind. We just did our 15th women's conference and we did it here in Kansas city with 34 women that are actually from Thailand that live here in my own community, like literally 15 minutes from my house. Wow. So does it surprise you that you are able to make the connection with people from Thailand in your own city? Would you have ever guessed that? No. And it's so funny now that God, God has me back here in the last seven months is when bloom has grown here in America. And we've partnered with a Karen church, a Thai Karen we partnered with a Nepali church and I just preached there a few weeks ago and we've partnered with a South Sudan church. Wow. And just loving on these women. Um, we just did an outreach with two local high schools and we delivered prom kits to girls. So 25 prom kits to one high school and 25 to another high school, literally two miles from my house, both ways, pretty much. And we have a period hygiene outreach going into the inner city this Tuesday here in Kansas city at university Academy, working with inner city girls with 55. So, and we still have programs going in Southeast Asia. We've got 27 nationals running bloom now throughout Asia. And we've got 13 people here in America that are stepping up to lead bloom to start here in Kansas city. Like we're growing here first as the platform or, you know, the, the yeah. corporate office, if you want to say <laughs> in America, I love that you've, cre- you've used the word bloom international for your organization and it's blooming everywhere it and it's helping women to bloom into what they yeah. are inside. Right. And so that they can make yeah. their lives and their families' lives even better. And so I want to know 
have you seen in yourself some blooming as you've been doing this process and working with other women? Yes, tremendously. And what I mean by that is when I went onto the mission field, I said, God, I will do anything and everything you want. I will never speak though in front of people. (laughs) I will never be a motivational speaker. I will never share the gospel openly unless it's peer to peer, like, or person to person face to face with someone like you and I are doing right now. Right. Um, But zoom, but I will never ever do that. And part of that goes back. And I, I, I want to say this because it's so important. A lot of the reasons why we say certain things and why we can't do something is because of our past hurts or our past failures or our past inadequate part of our life. Um, Because you see at the age of 12, 13, 14, I had a reading level of a second grader. Wow. So here I was in eighth and ninth grade and I could read second grade and write at a second grade level or third grade. And I mean, I've, with God, like I've gotten very skilled now. I got help and everything, but just, it's been really cool to see just the, what I thought I could not do. God took those weaknesses and made them my strengths. And because of that and me allowing him to use those weaknesses, the impact I've had has been crazy, but not on my doing on his timing and on his doing. And it's been hard. And if you would have told me that 10 years ago, that this is what I'd be doing. You would have laughed at my face. If you had to guess, how many times have you spoken in public or preached in public now since that time? Could you even get, get a ballpark figure? (laughs) I don't know. Three weeks ago, I spoke six times. (laughs) Like the only day I had off was Tuesday. (laughs) I did not believe that. I don't know. Isn't that crazy? Over 150. Wow. I don't know. Probably more. I just got a speaking gig this morning, right before. (laughs) And do you like it now? I do. Because when I speak, I don't speak to just speak. I speak to the heart of people Mm -hmm. because I've been there. Yeah. And that's what makes it connecting to people, I think. Yeah. I know God has a sense of humor. And he does, he has with me and all the ways he has worked with me. When I say, I don't want to do this thing. Yeah. He's like, Oh, how about you do this thing? Yeah. So true. (laughs) And it's like, I laugh because I always say like, I feel like I'm Moses. Like I'm, I'm there. My story in all of our stories, we do parallel with Moses in some aspect, right? Cause I mean, Moses was like, I'm not elegant enough. I'm not a speaker, you know, like, Mm -hmm who's Aaron. But then we all have that person in our life that like literally stands up and supports us as well. You know, you, I love that. I've never thought about that people in your life that are your biggest cheerleaders as well. So don't give yourself discredit. And when those people come around you, let them cheer you on. Like, yes. Yeah. Love it. Like Rochelle has cheered me on in my little, what I'm trying to do. I'm so excited. And she gives me helpful hints all the time and tells me I can do it. Yes. So I keep coming back to her. Are you sure? Okay. Come talk to me now. Help me figure this out. Yep. I think that's why we're all here to help each other bloom. Right. That's what, what you're all about. And I think Um, one thing to add to that too, is like, 
it's kind of cheesy, but it's like my saying I've played on the last like seven months specifically, or is bloom where God has you planted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, like yes, yes. You may say, well, God has me here, but I'm not supposed to be here. And in a year, I'll be doing what I'm supposed to. No, God has you there for a reason. So bloom and grow whatever that is that you feel like is supposed to be happening, but you can't right now because of certain situations. No, bloom where he has you planted right now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Yes. Wise words from a wise woman. (laughs) Okay. I want to know a story or two. You can pick out probably your favorite. I don't know. I don't want to say favorite. Pick out a story of a woman that you specifically helped that really stands out to you and that resonates with your mission. Well, I'm going to, I might cry. That's okay. Okay. Good. So this is going to go parallel to the whole bloom where you're planted because Stephanie, I really had in my heart that with COVID, I was still going to go back to Thailand. Like that was, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to Thailand, Mm -hmm. God. And I was neglecting to bloom here. And because of that, it was allowing me, sounds bad, but I was suffering um, because I was like, oh, pity party this. Whoa, whoa, this isn't happening. But God was starting to plant those seeds in me before I even realized it. And what I mean by that is August 2020 in Dollar Tree parking lot here in Belton, I met this lady. And I was so fixated on getting what I needed and getting home. But God was like, girlfriend, you stop right now. And you go say hi to that beautiful woman. (laughs) And, um, she had this beautiful head wrap on. Um, and I said, oh, I love that head wrap. And at first she's like, well, how do you know about head wraps? And I was like, well, I, I lived in Africa (laughs) and it starts a conversation. And from that, um, she just was like, oh my goodness, you've lived in Africa and got to talking, got to hear some of her story. Well, over the last year and a half, I've got to love on her through Facebook messenger. And like, we literally live five minutes from each other. And one Sunday morning, four months ago, not even that three months ago, she called me really upset and just crying. And it was a video chat. And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, can I challenge you right now? Those top five people in your life, are they supporting you? Are they loving you? Are they encouraging you? Are they fighting for you? Are they cheering you on? And she said, no, 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 no. And I said, can I encourage you today to just come to church with me? And to let me love on you, but not only me, let my church love on you. I said, I don't care. I know not every church is for everyone. So, but just let us love on you. Let me love on you. She just had her baby and she came. And that day she got herself plugged back in church. She met people. She got in counseling. She has a church home now, but she has a unit and she doesn't rely on me. She's happy now. And before she brought in this new life, she was able to find her. 
And now she knows who her is and mm-hmm. she's not relying on a man to fill that void. She's now relying on Christ. She dedicated her, her babies to God a few weeks ago. And it's really cool to be that touch person and allow God, like I said, to bloom me here where I've been planted. Wow. You know what? All over the place. I love that story. And you know what I love most about it is because I don't know if any of you that are listening feel this way, but I feel this way about people like Rochelle. Like I could never do what she's doing. I could never head a big organization. I can't go travel the world and live in the jungles of Thailand. And I, there's no way I could do that. It's just not feasible in my life. And I think it's amazing, but I can't ever do that. But the story you just shared was not from a jungle in Thailand. No, it was not even part of your organization really per se. Right. It was just you following a prompting to say hi to someone while you're going to the dollar store. (laughs) Yeah. We all go to the dollar store. Heck yeah. We all go, you know what I mean? We're all in places every day of our lives where we can find the women, even not just women, but we're specifically talking about that today. The women who need help, the women who need to be uplifted, the women who need someone in their life to, like you said, love them, cheer for them, be there to support them. So we can all do that every day, wherever we are. So I love that you shared that because it's something we all can do. Even if we can't do all the other amazing things you're doing, we can do that. And with everybody doing their little part to bloom where they're planted, it helps the whole garden of the earth to bloom and to grow. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I love this time that we've been able to share (laughs) together today, Rochelle. Thank you so much. And I want you to tell us how people can get involved with your organization or how they can support and help what you're about. Yeah. So there's a few ways and you can go to Facebook and like our page and that'll kind of keep you up to date on some things. If you're in the Kansas city area, if there is anyone listening in the Casey area, um, we are working on fundraisers, but if you're not in the Casey area, we have what is called the blooms angels community. And this community is essential. And the reason why I say that is because in order for us to plan month to month, for us to make an impact, we have to have that finances. And we have a Rice for Widows program. We started with 63 widows and their children. We now have 170. Wow. And that started in light of COVID. Our first outreach was May 2020. To date, we have delivered as of two days ago, uh, 59,000 pounds of rice. That's amazing. I'm like a total stats nerd. So I have, (laughs) I have how many pounds and how many meals it's provided. (laughs) So how many meals is that? It's over 498,000. I think. Wow. I have a stat somewhere. I I literally had it in my bag. (laughs) That's amazing. With that. And you know, I'll be honest, Stephanie, when we first started, cause I know you've helped with one of those pro, uh, right, projects. Right. When we first started that it, we literally thought it was starting because we needed to help relieve some of the stress from COVID. What we've learned is this program is never going to go away because it is allowing women to keep their children. 
And what I mean by that is think about it, guys, when you're hungry, you never want to think about this, but when you're in need and someone comes up and says, Hey, Stephanie, I know that you're hungry and you have a beautiful child right there. I promise I can take this child for you and I can give them the best life ever. And here's some money. And I promise they, in a few years, they're going to come back to you and they're going to be so well-educated and, oh, it's going to blow you away. Well, guess what? That's what happens. And we're able to, through this program, literally 26 pounds of rice a month is able to change that. And they're Mm -hmm. not having to ever think to question those thoughts because they have that food they need. And we have some other programs, like we do the food relief. We have hygiene where we teach women that they are beautifully and wonderfully made the way they are. God made you for a specific reason to have babies. And um, we teach them how to make reusable pads and we provide the material for them. And we do women's conferences. We meet them where they are and we love on them. And we have mentors that go out into those villages after the conference and they continue to love on their women, even when there's not a conference going on. Because let's face it, conferences are amazing, right? Oh yeah, but absolutely. You, you get your cup filled. Yes. And then you have to go back to the real and then you have to go back. <laughs> So yeah, like we have a mentor program and yeah. So, I mean, it's just, honestly, it's blooming and it's, it's growing in ways that as me, if I would have been just like, okay, God, I've got it. It never would be what it is today for Sherry and I, if we would have just said, no, this is what we want. Right. Cause if we would have said, oh no, we're just going to do this one conference and we're just going to do conferences only. Mm -mm. Because God's plans are so much greater and so much bigger than a human could ever dream up, right? Amen. Amen to that. So tell us, you yeah. also have a website, right? People could go and get all the information about yes. if they want to support you or yeah. how to be a part of it. Yeah. So it is www.bloomintl.org. There okay. you go. So all of you that have been inspired now and want to go out and help these amazing women to be able to lead better, more fantastic lives and find the beauty and the worth that they have inside. Yep. Go find the website and help Rochelle out. And Um, we are looking for social media interns and mm -hmm. different people. So we are growing here in America. This is our hub, but we are looking for people in other cities that have hearts that want to grow bloom in other cities. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's a big thing. Like, Hey, do you have a heart to make this happen? Because we want to be a connection in more places in America, but I'm only one person. So we've got to find more (laughs) of these amazing women that are like, girl, let's do this. Yes. So if you felt inspired during this podcast episode, go find this website, uh, bloom intl.org mm-hmm. yep. and get some more information. Rochelle, thank you so much for being with me today. And thank you. I just want to say thank you on behalf of all the women of the world for the great oh. work that you are doing. I applaud you. And I'm so grateful that there are people like you that are doing these amazing things and are being examples for the rest of us to be beautiful and share that be- beauty and bloom where we're planted. So well, thanks thank again. You. You're welcome. So ladies, I think you've got your marching orders. 
Go out and make it a beautiful day, not only for yourself, but every other woman that you can find.